This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. You can fly fish year-round if you like. But if you live in the north and don't want to brave the cold, you can always go to a show. Not a movie at your local theater, although that's an option, but if you want to do something fly fishing related, you might try a fly fishing show. Now, Dave and I have been to a total of, wait for it, one fishing expo or show (laughs) in the last few years. So we know about as much about it as we do about shopping for lotion at Bed Bath & Beyond. There's not much we can say. Hey, thankfully, we have a guest today who knows shows, that is, outdoor shows. Our guest today is Matthew Lordo of castingacross.com. We've had him on our show before, and he's a terrific fly fisher, and he's somewhat of an expert at fly fishing shows. So we thought, hey, let's bring Matthew back in to help give us kind of the big perspective on fly fishing shows, which to go to, and... You know, what's the value of fly fishing shows? We're looking at Matthew on Skype this morning. And Matthew, I have to ask, when are you going to shave that beard? Well, Dave, are you ever going to clip the wings of an eagle or shave down the antlers of a buck? (laughs) This is is who I am. (laughs) Matthew Lordeaux has this wonderful, wonderful beard. He's got the Paul Bunyan lumberjack look. Yeah, he's got, exactly. It's it's looking good, Matthew. Looking good. Thank you, thank you. Didn't that start with the Boston Red Sox back when they won the pennant (laughs) a bunch of years ago? Yeah, I, wasn't I, I it, it wasn't the I Red Sox? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know. Well, hey, you've had some interesting experiences at these shows. So start it off with a story. You were telling us uh, about, uh, I think, meeting somebody uh, famous, famous fly fishing personality recently. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, guys. You know, one of the great things about these shows is that you're you're around people, and we'll talk about that momentarily. But I have a kind of a a perfect synopsis of what you can experience at a fly fishing show based upon something that happened last year. I was talking to a vendor, so a guy who's not only created but selling a product, and I had him kind of give his little spiel as to what his particular fly fishing gadget did. And I noticed as he was talking to me about this thing, he started looking over my shoulder as opposed to to me. And um, after he wrapped up, he said, well, what'd you think? Again, not making eye contact with me, but with the person standing behind me. And I turned around, and it was one of the big names from one of the big fly fishing companies. And I realized that (laughs) I was not his target audience for the last uh, five or seven minutes. But after he wrapped up, I turned around and talked to this gentleman. And and I know from reading some of the things that he's written that he's fished some of the places I've fished. And so although he is a big fly fishing personality in the industry, we were able to have this great conversation about some of the spring creeks we fished in Pennsylvania uh, that we have in common and just to have that kind of not necessarily a bonding experience, but just the kind of conversation that two fly fishermen would have in the context of being in a, in a scenario where you're talking only about fly fishing. And that's kind of the things that you can expect. And it might not always look like that, but that's uh, one of the benefits of being in a, in a, at a show or an expo where everything's just fly fishing all the time. That's cool. So quick question. So did you buy the gadget that this vendor was selling? Oh no, absolutely not. I'm 
I, I only take like five or seven dollars to these things, so I don't get in trouble. Now that's Leave smart. Credit cards that's, in the hotel room. That's very smart. That's really great. So, what makes a good outdoor show, Matthew? Your well, experience. You know, Outdoor shows, they really run the gamut. And um, specifically in the Midwest, I'm sure you guys have all sorts of different shows around you. I'm in New England now. I've been out in, on the West Coast. And, and there's outdoor shows that cater to campers, to hunters, to fishermen. And then there's a subset of fly fishing shows. And what you will notice is that some of the other shows have a fly fishing component to them. It's kind of the right. general outdoor shows or the fishing shows. So a good fly fishing outdoor show is either specifically for fly fishing or it is a hunting or angling show that has a good selection of fly fishing classes, seminars, vendors, and exhibitors. Nice. Um, and that's, and that's really what it comes down to. Once you figure out that there's a fly fishing component to a show, you want to make sure there's a diversity in those things. Um, so have you been to a show where you go, you know, I probably won't go back to that one. You, obviously, you're not going to name names. But because it wasn't diverse, uh, or no, because it didn't have enough substantive fly fishing, say, classes, vendors, etc. It was just more of a token. You had a couple booths and that was it. Yeah, there, there's been a couple that I've been to like that, and you'll see these a lot where um, the big money in in shows oftentimes is for lodges and guides who are trying to book trips. And so um, you'll have dozens upon dozens of, for example, Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, deer hunting lodges or, or expeditions. And um, so... You, you go to a show and you realize, you know what, this is more their target demographic. Maybe I'll go because there's a local conservation organization there. And not that I don't enjoy the hunting aspect or the general outdoor aspect of it, but you say, you know what, I'll check their vendor list online and make an educated decision if I want to come back next year or not. Sure. So when you go to one of these shows, what do you do to make the most of it? I mean, you're just wandering around, but beyond that, well, what are some things you can do to, to yeah, make the show work for you maybe to improve you prove your fly fishing or, or what uh, what would you say uh, the most important thing and something that i don't think folks do enough when they go to these shows is take advantage of the classes seminars fly casting demonstrations and tying instruction that they offer more often than not these things are included in the cost of admission nice. and they're with some of the big names of the fly fishing industry who are giving you um, tips on either very very specific things like streamer fishing or nymphing or you'll learn how to tie um, uh, flies with some of the newer materials that are out there you're actually getting exposure to some of the biggest names in the industry, some of the, the men and women who are most well-versed in their fields within fly fishing at really no cost or with a very, very minimal added cost. So I think a lot of folks go and they wander around and they see the vendors, they see the exhibitors, they see those excellent things that folks have spent a lot of time on, but they don't take that extra hour or two hours out of their time at the show to experience really what the best of what the shows have to offer. Is there a class or seminar or instruction that you've taken recently that you found really helpful? Um, you know, I, I was at the show in, um, I think Lancaster, Pennsylvania last year, and uh, Lefty Cray was doing a fly casting demonstration. And, you know, probably most of your listeners know Lefty Cray and and he he's a legend yes, in the fly sure fishing is. industry. Yep. 
But the amazing thing about his demonstration was just how simple it was. And it was a reminder, probably not just for the folks who are going to learn fly casting, but everybody who heard it about how um, important it is to get back to the basics, whether you're you're teaching fly casting or you're casting yourself. And so for me, that was not just instructional, but informative uh, for, for my casting and what I'm teaching people. So any classes on uh, using your uh, beard as uh, fly tying material? <laughs> you know, I, I need to give that a whirl. I am I am an arm's length from my vice, so maybe after I am yeah, with you yeah, guys, I'll, you know, I'll actually have some a, woolly, I, woolly buggers and uh, send them out your way. Well, I have an uncle who actually used some chest hairs one time when he was uh. in a jam and tied those on. And he, that would be painful yeah, to rip yes. out. Holy cow. Uh, yes, it would. It would. And that might be to, the, walking the line yeah. between fly fishing and bait fishing, depending yeah. on oh, one's personal man. hygiene. Yeah, that's right. So, oh, that's hey, great. Let me ask you another question. Do you do you develop any friendships, any relationships out of these things? Do you, do you go with anybody, or maybe when you're there, you make some connections that, that last? Uh, yes, both and. Um, you know, I would say that if someone's never been before, if this is worth my time or energy or, or investment, then the w wisest thing to do would be to go with somebody. Bring a fishing buddy, even bring your family. Uh, because there's oftentimes yeah. diversity of events or activities, but you know, once you're there, you know you'll be standing looking at a a booth or at one of these. You know, like they have the film festival, so you sit next to somebody for 15 minutes waiting for this to start, and you get an opportunity to make a connection, and you already have this wonderful point of contact of something that you're both significantly interested in. So yeah. the relational aspect is really important. That makes sense. So do you end up meeting those like in the classes? Where do you most likely like? strike up a conversation with someone you know what that's a that's probably where it's going to happen often is you you know you do have that lag time when you're waiting for a class to start or if you're standing in line even i mean i've i've stood out out in the lines uh, of the somerset new jersey fly fishing show as snow is is pelting you and so you can commiserate which as you know as fly fishermen and uh, fly fisher women, we are we're prone to commiserating with one another about things, and so yeah, the <laughs> yeah. lag time, and even just uh, you know seeing somebody has the same hat or the same shirt as you. I mean, simple things like that. That's cool. So speaking of Lefty Cray, Steve, you just forwarded on like an email or something that said that he wasn't doing very well. Yeah, I think he's struggling a little bit with health. He's in his early nineties, isn't he, Matthew? That's correct. He is, and yeah, I, I've I've seen that online, and so it'd be. You know, he needs to be in uh, folks' prayers that uh, not only make the fly fishing circuit like he uh, usually does in the wintertime, but does make a recovery. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of things can you purchase at an outdoor show? I mean, obviously, you can probably get about anything, but maybe the question is, what does it make sense to look for? Are there certain fly fishing items, gear, whatever, that you'd say, that this is the place to, to get them, but, but here's some things that don't bother. Absolutely. I'd put three things on everyone's list if they're going to be going to a fly fishing show with money in their wallet and permission from their significant other. But more than um, five bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. more than but, five yeah, seven absolutely. bucks. <laughs> so the first thing is that you can often get last year's stuff on closeout. A lot of these the vendors and exhibitors at shows that I go to, they have a brick-and-mortar fly shop somewhere. But they come out, and they not only have new things and things that are specific to their fly shop, but they have the things that they're trying to offload because they're last year's model. And you guys have talked about this before. It is a very incremental movement from the 2017 model to the 2018 model. And when someone hauls a piece of gear, whether it be a duffel bag or a fly rod 
or some waiters all the way from their brick and mortar shop to a expo hall somewhere, they're going to mark those things down significantly. So they want to get yeah. rid of it. They don't want to take it back. So that's the first thing, last year's gear. The second thing that is really great at these sh shows is fly tying supplies. Now, I'm not a huge fly tire. I know you guys aren't either, but for someone who isn't a fly tying and they maybe don't have a brick and mortar store nearby, a fly fishing show oftentimes gives them a plethora of materials to choose from and not only just being able to see them being able to touch them and as you guys know textures and sheens and things that you can't really discern from an online shop you you really want when you're buying your fly tying material right. so it is a unprecedented selection and quantity um at these shows and the third thing is kind of what I alluded to when I was talking about the hunting lodges and guides, and that is that fly fishing guides and lodges will set up and you're able to book those premium dates at these shows. Most of the shows run December to March, and so you're able to book in the weekend at that big hatch or that big run and um, be able to do that kind of not only face-to-face -face with that person but before a lot of other folks uh, have an opportunity to do so. That's something definitely worth doing. Okay, so what outdoor shows can you go to? I mean, what are the hmm. options out there? Well, I, I certainly don't want to leave anybody out, but there's a couple of big ones that I have experience with and that I know kind of can attract a wide audience. And the first is actually, it's called The Fly Fishing Show. And um, the Ferminskis run this show, and it's an excellent show. It starts in January in Colorado and then goes to Massachusetts, New Jersey, Georgia, Washington, California, and Pennsylvania before it wraps up in March. And this is one of the bigger shows. It's probably, it is the largest fly fishing show in the country, and uh, this is one that really goes across the country, so a lot of folks can get to. Another one that's run by just a, a great man named Bo Beasley, it's called the Fly Fishing Festival, and there's one in Virginia in January and one in Texas in March. And I've been to this show before as well, and it is just – this one's neat because it really is designed for the whole family. The one in Virginia is actually the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival, and the one in Texas is the um, Texas Fly Fishing and Craft Beer Festival. And uh, they have programs not just for fly fishing and beverage lovers, but also for the whole family, merit badges for scouts, and uh, free classes for children. So that's a good one too. But what I would say to everybody, without me going down a long laundry list of all the different shows that are available across the country, is to check in with your local Trout Unlimited chapter or just Google it. This morning I was writing about a show that's this weekend, um, and by just typing in Fly Fishing Expo, every state that you can imagine popped up. And so they're out there. And certainly support the big shows, but also see what your local Trout Unlimited chapter or state council puts on, and um, or even your local fly shop. They'll have vendors come in, and it's almost a mini show. And those are neat because you really do rub shoulders with the folks in your neighborhood and engender that sense of community along with getting things out of it. So just Googling Fly Fishing Expo, Fly Fishing Shows, that, that's a great way to find some of this stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. And you know, the, the one I've thought about too in the, for anglers who live in the uh, Intermountain West, the annual fly fishing fair, it's the Fly Fishers International. I think they used to call it the Fly Fishing Conclave, back right. when it was Federation of Fly Fishers. I know it was uh, in Livingston, Montana this year in August, and I think next year in 2018 it'll be in Boise, Idaho, but that's always... Uh, that's always a big one, and you get a lot of big names, uh, fly fishers who uh, really specialize in the West. So yeah. anything else, Matthew, that you think of? I mean, this is great. Anna, I'm not just saying this. It's, it's kind of got me excited about uh, 
uh, trying to find a good fly fishing show or two. Uh, but anything else you'd you'd suggest for us as we think about fly fishing shows? I just say the last thing that I know all of these um, the the big shows that I've mentioned and the local shows is that they they encourage you to shop local. You're going to go and you're going to see Sage and Orvis and Sims and all those big name brands. Mm -hmm. And you can test their gear. You can cast their fly rods. But don't just go back to the hotel that night or back to back home and order it online. Find your local fly shop who carries those things and go in and say, hey, I was able to touch it here. Now, can I can I buy it at your place and uh, support the local small businesses? And uh, that's oftentimes what those big companies want as well. The big companies aren't generally selling their gear at the shows. They're just showing it off. And so they'll even say, you know, you've got to test our fly rod in booth 1A. Now go booth 23D and purchase it from this fly shop or this fly shop. So I would encourage folks to do that as well. Well, thanks so much. Matthew Lordeau, uh, castingacross.com, great website. Hey, we really appreciate you taking time to share with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Matthew. Um, you can find him obviously on Twitter, Instagram, and he writes a terrific blog. Just the friendship and the great insights, which we need. We need as many as we can get here on Two Guys in a River. <laughs> yep, we do. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I, all, I do appreciate it. Keep up the good work, and I'm looking forward to speak with you again soon. Yep, you too. Keep up the good work. Keep up the beard. <laughs> uh. Thank you. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Carl shared this story with us after reading our piece on the generous fly fisher I want to be. He said, I remember a day on a stream, Taylor Fork of the Gallatin. And just stopping there, Dave, we, we know that well. You've fished that. I fished it with you uh, yeah. just south of, uh, uh, south of Bozeman, south of Big Sky. Has uh, the highest density of grizzlies yep. in North America. Yep, absolutely. That drainage right oh, there. I know. <laughs> well, Carl remembers a day in the stream. He said, when my 13-year-old son was just splashing water with his casts, a tall elderly gent with an Australian accent strode up and saw us flailing. He introduced himself. Good day, mates. My name is Art. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's my, that's my best <laughs> imitation of an Australian accent. Uh, anyway, <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Yeah, Steve. I'm that's sorry. really horrible. I know. Anyway, Carl said uh, we sat together on a couple of boulders as he shared his wisdom with us for about 20 minutes. As we prepared to move on, Art pulled out his fly box and handed us a few flies. He said he had tied them the night before for today's fishing. I tied one of the flies on my son's rig, and he hooked a modest brown trout on his first cast. Wow, that's aw what a great story. It that really is. That's cool. And it's counter to that one story that we told in a recent podcast when we were in Montana where this 13 or 14-year-old kid yeah, was fishing the barn right. pools. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and, and one of the guys that was fishing that hole was critical of him and, and kind of judged him and just being very ungenerous. So this is a wonderful story. And actually, this does re represent the fly fishing industry. I mean, most yeah. people are like that. Yeah, right? that's really true. And uh, what a great story. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that will do it for today. What experience have you had with fly fishing shows? Tell us by going to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What fly fishing shows have you attended and uh, what have you done to make the most out of the experience? You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere on all the social platforms. As you know, we publish one new episode each week on our website. 
and we've had so many great referrals from you. When people ask us what can we do to help you promote the podcast, we say simply refer the podcast. In fact, just this morning I had somebody instant message me on Facebook telling me that his uncle now start, has started listening to the podcast. So that's uh, exactly how we grow. Thank you very much. And we'd love, of course, for you to purchase our book on Amazon.com, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Life is short, catch more fish. Well, thanks again for listening, or if you prefer, good day, mates. I'm Steve <laughs> Mathewson. Uh, and I'm Dave Getz. <laughs> Until next time, we are two guys in a river. <laughs> for the love of fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs>